Welcome to the 14th episode of Tokenizing Everything, our weekly interview series with thought leaders in the blockchain industry. Today's guest is Peter Raffelsen, writer and producer in the film and music industry, who has written over 30 Billboard number one hit records for artists such as Elton John, Madonna, and others. Additionally, he is working with all major studios in Hollywood and consults and producers for many international tech companies, including Microsoft, Apple, and Toshiba. Before we begin, I have to mention that all opinions today are solely personal and do not reflect the opinion of Amazing Blocks or any other involved parties. So let's begin. Happy to have you, Peter. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. Let me pull in my professional microphone. I'm now in the world of podcasting, so I should know something about this. Perfect. So since I've already given an intro, maybe you want to just briefly also introduce yourself, tell us, um, you know, maybe what led you to, to the blockchain industry and generally give us an overview of, of your career and life. Yeah, it's a fun story. So my background is really three generations of entertainment industry. Um, my great uncle, Samson Rafelson, created the first film with sound, very innovative. It was called um, the jazz singer. And I'm looking at enter, uh, uh, the, he, he worked with a gentleman by the name of Ernst Lubitsch and they made a number of movies together. And that wound up really that partnership wound up creating the basis for Paramount studios, which is a bit still to this day, one of the big studios. Uh, my father, came up through a more independent time and didn't work through the studio system, although he started that way. He really helped to pioneer the independent film revolution of the 1970s. And that too was innovative and disruptive. He and Jack Nicholson, his partner, who's like a godfather to me, created many films and TV shows like The Monkees, uh, Easy Rider. These are, these are iconic movies that also disrupted uh, the, the market. Of course, I came up in the 60s and there was no really independent music business and there was no real uh, uh, individual technologies. I had the first calculator. I had the first cell phone. I, I, it was so big, it, I had to take it on wheels through a wheelbarrow just to bring it to school or play around with it. Um, but truth be told, I, I had an interest in physics, in, in science, in, in technology. And I was dyslexic, but I was gifted at music. Now, what happened was all of my interests were very separated and there was very little crossover. The 70s turned into the 80s and suddenly there was the early stages of personal computing and programming and MIDI software and eventually digital software for publishing and such. I was an avid user uh, of all of these. I had the fifth Mac in the uh, state of California. So uh, eventually, little by little, all these things, these tools, if you will, started to converge. And I became one of the earliest uh, users of digital technology for recording audio and producing. And suddenly I had a big career on my hands. I was a gifted musician, but that with the technology is how I made that extra leap. Well, what happened was I started writing hit songs and producing them. And suddenly I became the owner uh, of all of these rights, massive catalog. And the interesting thing about that is um, there was no way to administrate, collect, uh, generate revenue or receive revenue unless you work through a status quo industry that already existed, very high level, right? But I don't know if I was stupid or smart or cocky or maybe arrogant, but when it came time for me to figure out how to get paid for all of this work, I didn't like the idea of signing it over to somebody else. I wanted to try to keep those rights to myself. And I began a long journey of pioneering and creating what became the independent music business, the DIY, do it yourself, right? So again, using technology, organizing, you still needed to go through traditional means, but more and more I decided to develop 
my own system for, for uh, uh, managing and administrating. So long story short, which is already a long story, uh, I created DigiRamp, and DigiRamp stands for the Digital Rights and Asset Management Platform. Now, this was a way for me to basically automate the maintenance, administration, and collection of revenues for 5,000 copyrights that I'd created. Well, it was not easy because I realized early on from a technical standpoint that whatever systems uh, exist, you still need to work with them, but you also want the flexibility of doing things completely independently. And if you have to change one small item, you can't depend on another company to do that. So I reverse engineered this, this, this fintech, if you will, the fin financial technology to be able to, to be completely flexible. Well, I got a call from Gavin Wood from, from the Ether Core, Ethereum Core, um, uh, what's it called, organization, his, his early, early um, development of that platform and, and the, um, the, the folks who were particularly disruptive in, in blockchain development and crypto, up until that point, they'd really only focused on the currency aspects of crypto. And when I heard from him, I was not terribly familiar. I, yes, I mined Bitcoin. Yes, I played around. And yes, I was always uh, interested. But when he saw DigiRamp, he told me that this was the first real application that I'd created. It's a platform as a service that was really well positioned to port directly to blockchain because of all of the aspects that were similar the provenance, the authorization, the access, the certification, the digitization, and the actual similar to tokenization, except that in, in my world, it's called the interested party information. All of these things matched up perfectly. And I was blown away. Oh, my Lord, what an amazing coincidence or timing. Finally, everything I knew everything I'd done, everything I'd built, everything I owned, everything I created, all started to align. And it was this moment in time where technology and a new, entirely new protocol, blockchain, seemed to be uh, uh, aligned with what I was doing. And, and that's how I really got into blockchain. Of course, I started trading more and more, and I started uh, creating relationships and Eventually, I, I founded a blockchain crypto exchange called Alt.Market and continued always with music and media. But the bottom line is that I was able to really, really uh, harness all of that information and that wisdom and, and that that. Um, that knowledge and, and the tools to, to, to combine into what is the new, uh, what I call the swarm economy. And that's, that's where we are today. Okay, very exciting. I mean, uh, quite a diverse um, journey, I would say, you know, I really like that story. So would you describe this call from Gavin as kind of like the wow moment where it made click and you realized the full potential of blockchain? Or was it before when you already st had started mining Bitcoin? Or what was that moment that really got you into the space in, in the first place? You know what it was, Nicholas? It was, it was confirmation. It was mm -hmm. confirmation that everything I'd done in my entire life was, was, a, it was, was, was confirmed that, 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 that it was the right direction. And that and it did make sense, and and I couldn't have necessarily seen this coming, but I think that my instincts were aligned with with where technology and entertainment were were going, and and that was really the beauty of, you know, I always talk about the best part of music and the best part of technology is the community and the connection that it builds. Mm -hmm. It's the bridges. That is what is the best, most positive aspect of what we do. Um, this new company, ElectroCast, is in fact, part of our mission statement is to connect people through compelling entertainment and through story. And, and to me, that, that is what drives me. It's the connection with other human beings. Technology is, you know, 
it's it's got a reputation for dividing people and isolating them. But look at what you and I are doing right now, Nicholas. If it wasn't for our interest, or our common interest, neither of us would be able to be um, communicating. We would never have met. And it's through this technology that allows a whole new world of innovation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely, I think, you know, on the one hand, as mentioned, you know, as you mentioned, like correctly, technology can divide people or, or cause problems. But on the other hand, especially when it's a decentralized technology such as blockchain, you know, that provides access to a global platform, I would say personally, generally where you can transfer data, information, intellectual property, anything, assets, so to say, um, anything, basically, you know, it can really, you know, enhance. And as you mentioned as well, you know, bridge, you know, the gap, you know, between different worlds, between, for instance, the, you know, centralized sector and maybe the, the decentralized sector. So I really think, you know, blockchain can be that underlying technology and really enhance current structures. And we'll definitely dive deeper into this and how especially it can enhance, you know, the IP sector. But before that, I would maybe like to ask you to share a bit and I, I know you mentioned this before we started you know a little anecdotal story how it is to be a serial entrepreneur that is really you know focused on tech on entertainment on music you know and all these different sectors how is your experience with this and maybe where is currently your more your biggest focus on it's a great question and 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 i'll tell you something about that because it's 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 always a difficult decision um, for me personally, um, I, I, I have an ability to, to, to do something called lucid dreaming. And, and, and some people might call that a visionary or psychic or this or that. But the way I look at it is when I see potential for something that doesn't exist, I'm compelled to create that potential and to realize that potential and to manifest that potential. Now, that sounds very spiritual, and maybe it is, but when it comes to business, I'm very much about uh, uh, trying to find something that A, I can do, but B, I can do the best. If, if I don't feel that I can be the best at something, I honestly don't have time to, to, to be an amateur. I, I, I love things, but hobbies and my my... my passion, what drives me is to be the best at whatever it is that I dedicate myself to. I'm a strong believer in mastering and, 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 and craftsmanship. So, so the, the nine or so companies that I founded and that I still run, um, most of them were done um, entirely alone in the sense that there was no partnership, no investment and such, but they were out of necessity. They solved a problem or a pain point that I was experiencing. We talked about DigiRap. So the majority of the companies that I own are, are and, and, and have created are simply to service each other. Uh, four publishing companies, three record labels, a studio, a management, a marketing, all of these pieces fit together in a very fractionalized um, system or business called the entertainment industry, or um, which based on IP, right? But because of the way money and taxes work, I was really forced to separate as much as I could every aspect of that. And, and that separation is what makes things, to be honest, difficult in this industry. But if the same person or the same mindset or the same design is what separates them, it can also create the opportunity to make them all work together seamlessly. And that was very much what blockchain does in a way. It, it, it allows for intercommunication. So, being a, an entrepreneur, it's it's difficult. I, I would always say, you know, uh, don't start unless you really think you can finish. So many times we 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 fail to 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 reach the goal, to reach the end, the, to reach you know the 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 goal line. And I will also say that the flip side of that is if you are going to fail, fail fast and fail forward. 
these are these are the principles that allowed me to learn by making mistakes. I did not have a a mentor, and I've spent a lot of time providing that mentorship to other folks that were, you know, I wasn't fortunate to have that. But the lessons to be learned are big ones. And the quicker you learn, the quicker you can overcome those obstacles. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, it's like mostly a learning by doing approach that I also personally, you know, like to do it just you know, jumping into the cold water and, and just trying and, and also like your, your spirit, you know, trying to do, do, to be the best. That's what, what it basically needs, you know, to, to be successful. I think you really need that drive, that spirit, you know, to, to reach for the stars, so to say, to kind of reference Hollywood a bit. Um, so generally, um, let's, let's focus a bit on the IP sector, obviously, since you're an expert there. What would you describe as the biggest pain points currently? And, and later we also dive into how blockchain and potentially tokenization could solve them. But let's first focus maybe a bit on, on the pain points, you know, that you obviously experience and that you are obviously also trying to solve. So historically, this is the analog to digital uh, struggle that, 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 that has created a revolution, right? But Paper forced the repositories or the, the hubs, the, the, you know, the, like what GitHub is, right? Um, in, a, in a physical format, we call them libraries or storage facilities or such. But as distribution and access became fractionalized and globalized, um, that information became spread out more and more. You know, there was no authority that kept all that information. And, and, and the more development of companies and organizations and PROs, um, Gemma, uh, ASCAP, IB, you know, BMI, th these, 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 these companies um, all decided to silo and keep their own records, as did all of the major corporations. There, there was no shared data. Um, and, and I understand that people protect it. There's lawyers, there's legal, there's privacy. There's all of these concerns between information and data. What's the difference? Who gets access to what? Uh, how do we protect our information? Uh, what's our obligation? Um, the security aspects, you know, look at what happened with Sony and potentially Korea. And there's all this uh, 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 unauthorized access. Well, guess what? Um, As a creator or a manager of IP, it's the only way you can create business from those rights is by having access to the information about the IP. Now, there's a lot of information. Some of it is financial. Some of it is personal. Some of it has to be public. So people were... were, were erring on the cautious side, perhaps, or maybe the, the slow side to adopt anything new. But the biggest pain point was uh, maintaining and sharing that information. Even today, even today, if you go on one PRO, it will list all the information um, and the names of all of the contributors and all of the creators, but it will only provide the information about its own members. And you still have to go to a secondary site to find the other information about the other. It's the same damn song. It's the same copyright. Mm -hmm. And yet one organization only maintains records. There's no reason why they can't do it. They have the information. They just don't provide it. So imagine being in the business of licensing IP. I do this for a living, I know. And, and in my personal case and in my company and with my partner, Mark Netter, when we created Electrocast, we made absolutely sure as I learned the hard way to maintain all records and all control and all administrative rights under one umbrella. But when I get hired or I'm working Okay, here's a great example. I wrote a song that I don't own 100% of the publishing and 100% of the rights. and 100%. It's a big song. It's called Open Your Heart by Madonna. I'm the writer. I 
created my own version of the song, which means that I owned the rights to the recording. And yet I still couldn't get an answer from the co-writer Madonna uh, and Warner Brothers as to how to get this song licensed in a film that my own father had directed. So imagine my family, the rights, the recording, the writer, the director, the movie, everything you can possibly imagine we had under one roof, except for the fact that there was a small piece of publishing that was controlled by a big company and the big company could not even get an answer from the writer as to whether they could grant me permission to put it in the movie. I waited for 45 days. I would have been happy if they had just said, Peter, sorry, the answer is no, no permission granted. They couldn't get an answer. I would call every week. We're still trying. We're, I'm, you guys are Warner Brothers and you can't just give me a yes or a no. Like, what is the holdup here? Well, there's a, we have to go back to our warehouse to look at the contracts to see whether we have permission to grant the license or whether we have to go. That's a pain. That's a, that's a good example of a pain point. Uh, organized accessing of information about the copyright. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and generally not being in control of, of what you create at the end of the day, right, is, is the biggest issue, I would say. Yeah. Or knowing what yeah. you control. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's a, you know, a great pain point. I think that a lot of artists, you know, and not just in the, in the entertainment brand, but generally, I think in, in business, in the business sector, like most of these people that create these innovations that, you know, verify these patents, you know, they have a lot of struggles, even in the patent industry, you know, it, it's sometimes hard, you know, to re register for this patent to, to obtain the necessary licenses in other jurisdictions as well for especially startups and so on. It can be quite costly, right? So that's a huge issue. So do you think applying blockchain tokenization and thus tokenization can solve this? Or generally, how do you guys at Electrocast and DigiRamp try to solve this? It's a great question. Great question. So, so one thing for certain is that um, there will always be the need for both public and private. And the way I envision this working in regards to IP and personal versus public information is to create what are called hybrid blockchains and that some are public and some are private. And, and this way, um, the data can still be provided and tokenized and, and accessible, but depending on by whom um, and, and unhackable, it makes it a little bit easier to say, okay, uh, a smart contract says that Nicholas can access this, and if he pays $2, he can get access to all the information, including every song that's ever been written, or every artist that's recorded the song, or maybe every TV show that the song is already in. And but, but he can't see my income from it, and he can't see the fact that I've willed my daughter's dog walker 1% of every dollar that comes through the publishing company. So th th there's, there's infinite layers, but the beauty of, of a smart contract or a blockchain is that it's completely customizable. And, and the, the, the right to make available that information, that is a right itself. I have the right to control not only what the information is, but who gets to gain access to it, right? That is a huge step forward in the world of IP. Um, I'm, I, I, my family created a film called Easy Rider many years ago, right? And, and, and I've got a warehouse the size of a half a football field full of contracts that I'm trying to sift through just to find the language from potentially hundreds of parties involved in, in this that, that, that proves the, the chain of title to that. Um, that information is valuable. And it was on its way to an incinerator when I said, guys, don't, please don't destroy this. I will go rent a truck and take all these boxes of, of contracts. And, and I did. And, 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 
if my instinct is correct, it will have been well worth the um, the rental to, to move all of that paper into a warehouse. But th those those are the key uh, uh, differences between blockchain and traditional um, data storage uh, uh, databases and um, centralized storage of information. Yeah, definitely. I think this, uh, or Jenny, do you think that this democratization of intellectual property will also allow maybe people that so far have not had access to this innovation, you know, when looking at the business sector, but also the entertainment branch and allows them to have this access to maybe morphing then, you know, these intellectual property rights into an investment vehicle that can then be you know, offered even to people that, for instance, in, you know, underdeveloped communities that, that together join, you know, a group where they together. Yeah. It's fr fractionalized ownership. Yeah, fractionalized exactly. ownership. Okay. Okay. So, so I look at it the opposite way. The answer is to your question. Yes. But I look at it as for the first time, a creator has the ability to offer that or an owner or a stakeholder can offer that. Now, say uh, you and Jan and Mark and I and 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 our and our parents all owned a song together. Mm -hmm. So um, this is something that I wrote and I offered everybody a portion, uh, a, a fraction of that um, stakeholdings or an interest in that song. Now the question is, um, to what degree do you control your interest? Well. In the traditional ownership structure, there were there are laws depending on what uh, uh, jurisdiction and what territory you're in that say in order to license this song to a film, all the writers must agree, all the publishers must agree, and if one of them doesn't agree, even if you have majority and there's one percent of one writer's interest, he can block that. In mm -hmm. other companies and other territories like Europe, it's quite different. It's the opposite, in fact. Some are majority ruled, some are a single stakeholder can license that, right? But if in the scenario I said where we all own a piece of that, I'm, I may be interested in saying you guys can participate. Everybody participates financially, but nobody has administrative control. Mm -hmm. Administrative control is the right to control and license legally what happens with that interest. It is by all means potentially more valuable than even ownership. I'll tell you a good example. Um, I have no ownership of this hit song, but I control who gets to make money with it. Now, what would uh, versus I have all the ownership, but I have no control over who gets to make money with it. What would you rather have as a business control to make money, right? Control to what we call transact. The transactional rights is is crucial to IP. And this is something that blockchain allows somebody who does have that right to then assign it, to share it, to control it. Imagine if I said, um, hey, Nicholas, you own one one thousandth of one percent of the right of the copyright, but I'm giving you the right to go and generate contracts and sales and licenses in Uganda, New Zealand and Liechtenstein. And, and, and suddenly you're like, wait, so anything I do in those countries, I, I control the right. Yep, you, you have the right to do that. It may be exclusive. It may be non-exclusive. But that right is then something. Okay, next obvious question. What is that token or that, that certificate or that right? Um, val what is the value of that? Well, so in the SMART agreement, you are allowed to sell your interest in your own token and transfer or trade or exchange that interest with anybody, but specifically for the Uganda territory. You, you, may, you may exercise your rights in Liechtenstein, but you can't sell or transfer those. So you can see how it gets very complicated, but it's incredibly flexible. That's what's so exciting about technology and IP. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree. And and since you you mentioned you know the regulatory side here, I just would like to quickly ask you: Do you think you know from a legal side we are ready for this, or, or what 
to you needs to happen, you know, in terms of progressive laws that need to be implemented? Well, I think you and I are ready. <laughs> Definitely. I, 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 can, I can tell you that there's no law that, that excludes us creating an agreement as long as it doesn't infringe on what is federally regulated copyright laws. Mm -hmm. So um, it's fascinating because on DigiRamp, which is this platform I created, um, I, I was constantly asked, well, what's preventing somebody from creating fraud and mm -hmm. claiming uploading a Beyonce song and say that they're the writer? You know, there many of the platforms are terms of use, right? And 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 they and they say you're not allowed to. The way I've looked at this is if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. And you assume and embrace the idea that you can never stop bad actors. But what you can do is prevent them from connecting to other systems the bad data. So this is again about this 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 concept that you still need a bank, you still need a social security number, you still need a tax return, and all of these classic fiat-related uh, institutions and laws and economic structures, I think uh, there is room for that to be connected to blockchain. And I think that it's important that there is maybe not the idea of regulating decentralized, but this is where we go back to the hybrid concept. So there you know look at look at what is happening with paypal and with visa everybody's using the blockchain now but they're using it in 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 the context of uh fiat values and fiat structures so eventually i think that there will be i mean look we can make our own laws we could maybe make our own country we can make our mm -hmm. own dac you know decentralized autonomous and 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 make any rules that we want as long as we're not violating other other uh, government laws, and there's they've got to coexist. I, I I'm always in favor of them coexisting together and and being respectful and working together. You know we we use Stripe on a blockchain. Stripe is fiat. They do do Bitcoin and they're, they, they deal with their own regulations. I think they're up to 20 something countries where it's legal to, to use Stripe as your mm -hmm. uh, gateway and your, your money sender. But all of the transactional occurs on the blockchain. Yeah, I mean, I fully agree with your, your statement there in regards to maybe like a coexisting world, basically. On the one hand, the, the decentralized blockchain space, on the other hand, you know, the decentralized, you know, regulated um, real world, so to say, although probably a lot of the real world will then morph to the blockchain, if, if especially the people realize the potential of it. And I think also what you mentioned in terms of decentralized autonomous organization, that's, that's a great, you know, use case for blockchain with these governance tokens that are, are you know, kind of coming up now and, and really are gaining, you know, fruition. So you that's Coinbase. Coinbase just announced they're going public. Yeah. This is, you know, this is the first American exchange that's got its New York based uh, crypto license. Mm -hmm. And now they're there, but they're not going through the SEC normal channels. They're literally going to the, guess what? The fiat institutions and the bank systems mm -hmm. to make their, to make their public sale. They're bypassing a lot of the process that, that a, a normal company would have to, to, to go through. So it's, it's really happening. And, uh, you know, there's no question that this pandemic, um, you know, for better or for worse, accelerated this mm -hmm. process. Yeah. Um, and guys like Elon and, 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 and his sort of tipping of his hat and, and vote of confidence. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 I didn't expect be Bitcoin to hit 50 till at least summer. And in one day, he, mm -hmm. he, his announcement triggered 50K. So... It just goes to show you how quickly things can change. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, it was the same. I thought 
I was telling, you know, a lot of my friends, so yeah, maybe wait, you know, in terms of 50K or more till, you know, June, August or something. I was surprised myself. And I would say sometimes I have a good feeling for what the, the crypto market is doing, but that really, you know, <laughs> also, you. you know, surprised me, right? So since you mentioned, Elon, just a quick question here. What do you think, you know, it will make, do you think, do you also see a risk there when Elon Musk is kind of promoting also these coins like Dogecoin that on the one hand, sure are, an interesting or a funny story but on the other hand in terms of looking at real world use cases for blockchain are not the most advanced technology and are you also not you know probably the most you know yeah i would say the best in terms of you know accelerating the mainstream adoption because there's a lot of risk as well that people now invest in these coins absolutely yeah there are different philosophies and schools of investment mm -hmm. The one that is probably the the wisest, or I would say the most validated, is what you call value investment. Mm -hmm. And this is guys who look at a tire company, and they see that the company has it's been undervalued. They're producing something that's tangible that can be measured, and that it's been overlooked, right? Mm -hmm. but, but the value actually is there. You can literally go and and count the tires and see that they're just not making it onto the trucks, but they have the, the goods and it's not getting that right. The fascinating part about human nature and the, uh, and the opposite of that is how social interaction, social activity drives the psychology of money. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you something. Um, it wasn't until a few years ago that I started learning from what is now a partner, a guy named Bryce Viner, uh, who is the partner in, in the um, crypto exchange, what the actual meaning of money is. And yes, we all know, okay, there's a note and a note can be uh, represent gold or, or something that it was originally backed the US dollar, right? We know that that's no longer the case, but it, you know, when you think about, well, what is anything worth? And the only answer is it's what you can sell it for. Mm -hmm. If you can't sell it, it's not worth anything. If, if you can sell it for a penny, it's not worth a lot. If you can sell it for a million dollars, it's worth a million dollars. So the idea that, that people, it's like they're rabid, they're rabid animals just consuming the excitement of it's gambling. It's literally addictive gambling. And, and the smartest people who invest in, in blockchain and crypto say, you know, you're gambling. You're literally look at it as a gambler. So, you know, how much can you stand to lose? Mm -hmm. That's the first question. What are you willing to lose? The rest is clear from that point forward. If, if, if you're prepared to lose this much, then anything you don't lose is, is great, is a profit. There, there are also money makers and manipulators and calculators. And we know that the largest mining companies and all of the, 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 the uh, quantum computing that's mm -hmm. going on, quantum investing, yeah, nobody will ever know what actually everybody is doing. It's it's just impossible. There's way too much power, and too much, the stakes are too high. But what we can do is we, can, like you said, we can get a sense of what the general public mm. is seeing and thinking, and it, and the media is that way to deliver to the masses what's going on, right? I, 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 I'm not going to mention which coins, but I started reading up. I've never owned a lot of altcoin. Mm. And, and recently, for the first time, I started playing with a couple of coins that I'd never even heard of. And, and I'd be surprised if most people would even recognize their names. I'm doing very well with those coins. And, and, and it's not because I have any idea what they do, what the protocol is, what the value is. It's because I know that the people who are involved with it have influence. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's mm -hmm. all it is. It's influence. And there's a great saying that I love. Where attention 
goes, money flows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's kind of how I, I gauge whether something has potential to, to grow in value. Yeah, that, that's very great. You know, like for me personally, also, I kind of, you know, I, I have to admit, I love altcoins. <laughs> I've been, you know, tapping into this for quite some time. And to me, I always consider Bitcoin kind of as like the tip of the iceberg or the pyramid. And then after it, there's like this ecosystem of altcoins that are these dApps on the Ethereum blockchain or other the chains such as, um, you know, Polkadot, Cardano and so on. Then kind of the, the pyramid goes on. And then at the end, at the bottom is really where the tokenization is that has the biggest influence as well. You know, Bitcoin is like the entry point, you know, what kind of gets these people like Elon Musk excited that then drives the attention to this market. But really blockchain is much more than this, right? And that's where I think also the altcoins have values, like no investment advice here, but I think projects such as Ocean Protocol or Singularity Net, you know, that they kind of create on the one hand a data marketplace to be in control of data or an art, like a marketplace for artificial intelligence, you know, that these are great projects that can have much more value than just like a coin that is used for, for payments or such. So, but just it's on- not, I don't think it's a coincidence that PayPal started allowing um, users to, to buy and, and, and sell uh, Bitcoin mm-hmm. personal accounts, this is, but not withdraw Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And then Elon Musk buys 1.5 billion. You know, I bet you that he's got somebody who he's got an interest in the company called PayPal. I bet that's not a coincidence that that they they're they're short on liquidity. Guess Mm -hmm. what he just did? He's the most liquid Bitcoin owner there is. So those those types of of public stories. Well, we've seen what happened, didn't we? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I fully agree. And I, I'm the same. Like, I think, you know, these actions that, that Elon is doing in the public are, are more marketing stint, right? Than yes. <laughs> or the distraction from, from other aspects. Yeah. And I think we it's both all agree. Every, every value that's created is done through marketing for the most part, especially when there's not a tangible product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fully agree. So then, so there, I have two more questions and then um, we can wrap it up. One is to just going back to intellectual property real quick is, um, you know, what do you think is the more feasible use case, you know, tokenizing intellectual property in the music industry or in the film industry, or is it both pretty much the same? You know, it's a great question, Nick. I, I, I don't necessarily, the, the, what's interesting is when you digitize and tokenize, it's all the same, isn't mm-hmm. it, right? So um, I've been waiting and, and studying and, and observing the interest in NFTs. Mm-hmm. And from a strictly commodities standpoint not 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 a not a a a a security i think there's an immediate use that is legal Mm. and that is easy to understand here is something that you can purchase it represents a brand or an image or a product it 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 is unique Mm. it is measurable it is trackable and whatever it is that you want to to call it or, or, or who you want to partner with. It's something that can then be purchased, Mm -hmm. held, traded, exchanged or sold. So that is the most, I want to say consumer friendly business today, business friendly in, in the traditional industries, we call that the merch business, merchandising. That's really what it is. But, collectors of merchandise i mean is it that different from art what's the difference between collecting a picasso or collecting a david bowie uh, uh, album image cover mm-hmm. it's not that different so that to me i think will be the most the next most rapid area of growth mm-hmm. i've i've talked very quietly with with my partner mark about about how electrocast which is creating a network of podcasts and media can can tokenize certain ip and make it available to the public um 
as NFTs. It mm. could be scripts, it can be voices, it can be anything that has to do with IP or media or rights. But I do see that as the very practical way of, of, mm. of developing a new economy around IP. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the art use case, it's funny that you mentioned it. I've written an, an article about it that has been published as well. So anybody that's listening, feel free to check it out on being crypto. Because personally, I also see on the one hand, it can make, you know, the current system much more efficient. And on the other hand, you know, skipping these intermediaries and such. And also on the other hand, it can, as again, give back the control over the art to the artist rather than, you know, these centralized players in this ecosystem. So one last question, or maybe you want to add something? No, I was going to say you're absolutely right, Nick. That's the, you nailed it. Good. Thank you so much. So one last question that I always like to ask my guests, and I know you cannot give a definite answer to it, but it's just always interesting to see the answer from different angles is where do you see blockchain in general in 10 years from now? Um, so, so I think that the, the, the next step is to create um, user interfaces mm -hmm. that don't require technology uh, um, uh, experts. Mm -hmm. I, I, I have in my day trading registered on, oh, I don't know, 10 exchanges. <laughs> I know the struggle. Yeah. <laughs> And every one of them is a fucking mystery. Mm hmm It's it to just do the same thing is completely different in every experience. There is no standardization. Now, great. I don't want everybody to do it the same way, but I would like to, as a consumer who's never been on an exchange, be able to pick up my phone and understand what it is that I want to do and how to make it easy. And, and it's not easy. You know, I mean, this is why mistakes are made. This is why people, <laughs> we have yet to, to provide for stupidity. And <laughs> stupidity is, 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 there's no judgment. It's very real. It's very real. And you hear all the time about security issues and, and, and mis- Uh, steps and how to understand what it is that we're doing. I, I do see that, that, that there will be a intermediary business that creates a connection between consumer facing and backend technology. And as that becomes more accessible by more and more people on more and more devices, um, the back end of it um, will, will thrive. Much like the banking system, much like DARPA became, I was on DARPA before there was something called the World Wide Web. It was impossible. No wonder nobody used it. It was, it was utterly, I mean, you have to be a geek with a lot of free time to function in that new innovative technology world. And by the way, there are a lot of geeks with a lot of free time, mm -hmm. but for the rest of us who are consumers who have day jobs or a family or very little time we want to we 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 need that to be more accessible accessible mm -hmm. to the public so so i think that will be the trend over the next 10 years is figuring out ways to make things much more i mean the 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 iot is going to be a huge change You know, whoever thought that my 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 juicing blender would be where I trade crypto? Mm. Whoever thought that the Bank of America is where you can listen to podcasts? It's now today you can listen to podcasts on the website Bank of America. It, there are these new consumer-facing, accessible features that will be in every device, in every home. In, in the hands of, let's say, not every person, but many, many more people. And that's when this becomes the new economy. And, and, and we have to be careful because it really can replace government. It really can. And it already is in, in ways that maybe we don't even know yet. So with caution and accessibility, I hope 
you know, AI. I mean, look at what's happened with Bezos and 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 these people that are swearing off the use of facial recognition. How can you swear off something that you can't stop? Now, maybe you can accelerate it, but if you don't use it and somebody, you can't stop people from adopting new innovative measures. As long as they have access to them, they will, they will use it. So I hope that answers your question. I'm excited where things are going and I hope to be at the forefront as much as anybody can be. Uh, and guys like you who are younger and smarter than me, Make it happen, Nick. I'm I'm your biggest fan. Thanks, Peter. Really appreciate it. I'm not sure about the smarter part, but uh, anything else you said was was perfectly correct. And I think you know it really shows also your your vast degree of knowledge in this industry. Because also a couple of weeks ago, I had Manan Patel from Ocean Protocol on the show, and he said basically the same. Like you know, blockchain application would be intuitive, right? You do not even have to realize that you're using blockchain like most people don't realize they're using the internet nowadays right they just do it if you ask people on the street what is the internet <laughs> i mean we all know that most people will not be able to tell you what it is and i think personally that it will be the same with blockchain it will be kind of functioning the back end right and so therefore you were perfectly spot on with your answer so yeah. when's the last time you heard a, a a person who uses the internet every day say the words tcpip Never, probably. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. all we heard in the early days. How are you doing this? Well, you TCP/IP internet protocol. You do uh, packets, and they're sent over DARPA. It's invisible now. Mm. Um, so the blockchain will be there soon, and 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 we'll be waiting. Yeah. Definitely. We'll be both on the forefront. That's amazing. So thanks, Peter, for this great conversation. You know, sunny greetings to um, Hollywood, to LA, <laughs> a big fan of the city and, and the area. So it was a pleasure having you and, and thanks for your great insights and good luck with all your endeavors. I look forward to the day we can meet in person, Nick. Thank you. Likewise, I will definitely come, come to LA pretty soon. <laughs> I've already talked to a couple of people, so I'll definitely reach out to you. So, and also to our listeners, you know, um, thanks for listening as always. It, it was a pleasure, you know, to have the show as always every Friday. And, and it will be live on or uploaded on YouTube, Spotify and Apple next week on Monday. So, um, yeah, it was a pleasure having you, Peter. And have a great day and, and talk to you soon. Thank you so much. And I'm just going to give one last plug to Electrocast. Mm -hmm. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-A, Electrocast. Dot com uh, and and come join us for 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 a great time and and we we really appreciate all of you and what you're doing yeah well, i will definitely you know share electrocast when we when we publish everything and advise everybody to reach out to electrocast and to you and, and your partners so it's a great product you're creating thanks peter have a great day you too bye bye bye, -bye.